Hello and welcome to series two of the My Little Coco podcast. I am so happy to be back. I have an amazing lineup of guests for this series and I cannot wait for you to hear them. For those of you that are new to the show, in this podcast, I speak to my guests about their parenting journeys, what they've learned along the way and what they still need to figure out. We'll be talking about sleep, mostly the lack of it, the importance of well-being, the myths around breastfeeding and everything else in between. I'll be getting as many tips and tricks from my guests about how to find these balances because let's face it, they're not little for long. Right, let's start the show. Fertility is something many of us shy away from discussing, but my guest today has been pretty vocal about her struggles. She is now a mother to her gorgeous baby boy, Ever James, but many of you will know her from the Disney film Cheetah Girls. I'm so excited about that. Here is Adrian Balon Houghton on the My Little Coco podcast. Thank you so much for doing this. I'm going to kick straight in. I'm honestly, I'm like, we follow each other. We girl crush each other hard from like way overseas. And I'm so excited that I get to talk to you. Same. Um, I've got so much that I want to talk to you about in life. But today I really want to talk about parenthood for you. And I've followed your journey. So I've seen you on Instagram and you're always so brilliant in talking so openly which is so nice and your family is just adorable 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 um so tell me how are you finding parenting so far is it everything you thought it would be it's everything I thought it would be and then like these wild surprises like I feel so many people told me oh my god the moment you hold that baby like it is going to be completely different it's a love like you can't even imagine like you hear all these things and then you experience it and I always thought that you know I think everybody has a bit of selfishness and then that's like okay the baby's crying you're kind of like you'll be fine you'll roll over kind of look at them (laughs) and then it happens and they even so much as like, eh, and you're like, oh, what's wrong? How can I help you? How yeah. can I be there for you? How can I make it right? And it almost like rips your heart out of your chest when you hear them crying and you can't, mm. you know, they can't communicate. And I, that shocked me. That to me was like, I thought I would be like more of like a laid back parent, like eh, kids, babies cry. They're supposed to cry. That's what they do. My child cries and you would think like I'm dying on the ends like and I never thought I would be that way. But um, but I love I love every moment we co-sleep, which I know a lot of people were like anti and I never thought I'd be that person. I always. Yeah. Even when I was on the reel for years, I would be like, oh, my marriage and like this comes first and my bed is my sacred place for me and my husband. Mm -mm, It's a lie. A whole lie. It's a sacred place until you have a kid. Exactly. (laughs) And then it's not yours. It's just not yours. Then your closet is the sacred place, your bathroom. You figure it out, okay? You got to figure it out. (laughs) I'm like, and you think that you could just go to the bathroom in peace. Like you think that that's your place. And then they find a way in there too. And I'm looking forward to that because even in the first weeks, obviously he's only seven months, but you do Mm. what you gotta do like if we're home if I'm home alone with the baby I don't have a nanny which I think a lot of people are like wait what I have my mom helps Mm -hmm. me out and then I have my mom's sister who's my aunt that also helps me out as well but a lot of it I wanted to do on my own I think that's probably a bit of that has to do with the guilt of having like a surrogate and I think I'm like well the least I could do is be here now that he's here (laughs) so um, (laughs) it's like a weird thing I actually talked to one of my other girlfriends who had a surrogate as well I'm like like night nurse night nurse girl stay awake like you you this is your moment like you got this this is the role you're ready to play that's crazy yeah that's crazy because I think and that's interesting to hear because as parents we put so much pressure on ourselves like I have I do the mum guilt thing where I'm like Mm. oh you know I'm like the other day my daughter had a netball match and my thing is always like I will I work but I will be there. There's yeah. not a there's not a nativity play I'm missing. There's not a you know, there's I'm I'm that parent that wants to be present yeah. but also wants to do it all. And as a human you can't always yeah. do it all because we're unfortunately not robots. And the other day I missed an, a netball match and it 
and I honestly just it just didn't sit right with me and I had like a knot in my stomach all day and it was like the first thing I missed but listen these things do happen and yeah. they will never remember this and actually she did not care <laughs> that I wasn't no there. way um but it, I think it's a weird in a way it's actually quite a self-indulgent thing like because you think that that's what defines you as a good mum like being the one that's there but but it's 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 actually weirdly it's almost more about us than it is there yeah it's for me yes, it's for me yes. and my own personal thing of being like well I have to create this bond like someone else carried him for nine months so like there's this thing inside of me that says you 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 don't get the privilege of sleeping like what you like it's a very weird yeah. thing and I don't think it's the best obviously it's my own little personal thing but it's it's very real for me and so yeah a lot of the time it's it's just us in the morning so I don't go to work at E until three o'clock in the afternoon so I'm with him all morning oh, throughout the morning so nice. and sometimes my husband's traveling as a musician as a as an artist so he mm -hmm. he's touring or like doing shows and it'll just be the two of us and I have to pee in the morning, but I can't leave him if he's crying. So the morning pee just happens with the baby on so my lap. That's it. Yeah. We've all, like, honestly, we have just all been there. Right and, there. And, and, I'm, and I'm still there. Half the time I'm like, look, I need, this needs to happen. Like, I, sometimes I have the dogs in with me <laughs> and everyone. And I'm like, this is not like, this is not a meeting. That I just, is hysterical. I just want, I just, I just need the toilet if that's okay. Yeah. Are you parenting how you thought you would? Because you touched on before, you had this idea of, you know, you'd be quite chilled yeah. if they cry, you know, that's what kids do. But I think we all surprise ourselves. I'm like, there, there are things, I'm like, I won't be that mum. And then all of a sudden you become that mum and you're like, well, here I am. <laughs> you know? I have to literally kick in major self-control in the hair and makeup room over at my job because you know, when you're the one that doesn't have kids, you're like kind of sitting there, everyone's gossiping and talking, and there's that one mom that walks in and just watching videos of her baby while hair and makeup is happening, <laughs> wants everyone in the room to see them, and you're like, I will never be that. Like, that just seems so, like, corny or, like, rude. Yeah, or and before you have kids, you just don't get it. You're like... God, to, like it's it's nice, but do they not have a life? You're like, like you just left like, the it's, kid. It's cute, and it's a cute kid, but please, you know, you just can't relate. You cannot relate. I have to tell myself I will sit and do hair and makeup, and literally just be watching videos of ever ever laughing ever, and then I want everyone else to watch them too, and I literally have to <laughs> show major restraint. To be like, girl, if you don't put this phone down, you are about to be that annoying human who is literally harassing people with your child's voice. Like, they're trying to do a meeting over here, and my baby's in the background. And I'm just like, it's the best sound I've ever heard. Yes, uh, yeah, and you're like, do you know what? He's a genius. He, he is. That, that, that's the other thing that you do as well, that you just think. And it's not until late, later that you get a grip of yourself yeah. and you look back. And I remember, I remember that I would show... When when I had Alaya, like my kids, I like birth the chubbiest children. Like I can't tell you that they are like love them. Like I love like that juicy chub baby. Like, you know, the rolls on and rolls on rolls. Yeah, like they look like they've got like elastic bands <laughs> yes. all the way up That's their my arms baby. and legs. You know, just 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 like sausages. Same. And I'd be like showing her off to anybody that would like breathe in my direction. I'd be like, <laughs> Do you want to see my baby? Do you see my and I looked back the other day. We were going. She'll be she'll be ten in May. And um, we were looking back at old pictures. You know, when you update your iPhone and all, all my old yeah. pictures come up. And I was actually laughing to myself at, at, at the pictures that I sent to people <laughs> thinking she was cute. Like in my, in my head, she's cute, right? She's mine. But like people were actually replying to me like really kindly, like she's so, be <laughs> she's so beautiful. She, I mean, she had like a dress on, like, you know, like that's also a weird thing when you put a dress on a baby and they just are sat in like, yes. sat in the buggy, like just, you know. Yes. And I thought she was like the best thing in the world. World. and to me she was but you know everyone else is very polite when they just babies look like old men first of all don't they they just look like old men mine was a little hairy old man my baby had a unibrow <laughs> he had bangs coming down to his eyes his shoulders were hairy his back was yes. his butt had like a coat of jet black hair I said what is going said it's Lunag something Lunago they said it's gonna go away yeah yeah yeah, yeah. That's right. He looked like a little gremlin. 
But again, <laughs> I did the same thing. I did that first post where you like announce yeah. my miracle baby. And I'm like so excited. <laughs> and Ever has an Instagram, but I never posted on it. I just did it so that I could secure his name so that if ever he wanted it, he yeah, could yeah, have yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's so right. My husband literally told me, we will not be those parents talking as if it's our baby. Like, had a great day yeah. with mom today. Love my mommy so much. He's like, you are not doing that. I'm with He's like, you. that is so creepy. I agree. So literally, <laughs> we just got the Instagram for that. But I went back. I tagged him in something. And I was like, I wonder if people tag him. So I went to the Instagram, saw the first post we did where we announced that he was born and I was like oh my god why did I it's post weird. this it's so weird you honestly you look and you're like in what brain did I think that was flattering I didn't even for, let the kid I, I didn't let yeah, the kid like, have a few weeks just to figure out what his face is gonna look like let the kid have a chance to find his features he just looked like a little like a little monchichi it was just it was yeah, hysterical. Yeah. But we've we've all done it because so it, it's that, that parent love that you just can't yeah. it's a when people say it's a love bubble, like that's exactly what it is and you actually can't burst it. Yeah. There's nothing that anybody could do to pop that bubble and the love that you have and the beauty which which is so special. I thought so it special. was like a chemical hormonal thing that you experienced. And obviously I wasn't gonna have that. Ah. And I told all my girlfriends, Oh, I will know if he's ugly. I will know. I I said I don't have the serotonin, the the I don't have whatever you ladies that actually birth your babies, whatever that high is, your girl's not experiencing. So I'm gonna know. <laughs> Guys, I didn't know. I didn't know. You didn't know. I did not there know. There you go. It's a mama thing. It really is. It doesn't is. matter. Listen, we don't, there's no medal at the end and how the baby, because I had this with, you know, I felt so judged that I had three cesareans. Yeah. And, you know, I was like, I thought I was going to be this earth mum that would have this natural birth. Yeah. It didn't work out that way. And I remember feeling like real judged, like, oh, like there's a saying that I don't know if, if this is, in the States too, but in, in the UK, they say, oh, are you too posh to push? Uh -huh. As if you think you're too good to, and I was really kind of embarrassed by it. And like my mum had vaginal births yeah. and it was, and my mum was like, you're having it. it. It was all just very like alien. And I remember being really sort of, again, like felt like I didn't experience mm -hmm. childbirth because of the way that I birthed. Yeah. And yes, yeah, so I think it's weird in any capacity, you think that you're, not quite delivering in the way that you should as a woman. No, it's so true. It's actually known out here for a while in Hollywood. It was known that celebrities were choosing C-sections, one, so that they could choose the date of their child's birth, whether it was for horoscope. The other thing was wild schedules, wanting their significant other to be there. If they had like a basketball player who was out of town, whatever the case, they wanted a specific date for schedule purposes. And it was actually known that when you got a C-section, you could have a plastic surgeon come right after and tuck you as well so there was well no one offered me that <laughs> no one offered I'm like where was that offer but like that that was like a thing so people thought that yeah. women were choosing c-sections mm -hmm. out of vanity when that's just not the case at all like that is not the case and I hate it that women are judged for that for sure as a Latina my mom's experience was having both my sister and I natural not even like epidural like completely like no yeah. drugs and I have a very hippie family. Like we all have like very like wide hips as women. And so imagine coming to a mom who we've never even known anyone. Like you see people like celebrities obviously have had surrogates or something like that, but we've never known mm. anyone personally. And it just seemed like such a foreign thing that when I came to tell my mom for the first time that my doctors had suggested it, her reaction, which I think she's so embarrassed for now, but I love being honest and she's okay with me sharing that. She yeah. was just like, yeah. why would you want someone to carry your baby? Like, don't you want that experience? And I, and I cried because I was like, mom, it isn't a choice. Like, I'm not choosing this. I've tried every other alternative. Like, this is my last choice. And I think mm -hmm. now it's kind of crazy because she's literally downstairs with my son right now and she can't mm -hmm. imagine it other any other way. But I think initially yeah. it just was something that was so foreign to her that she that was just of the course. initial reaction. Mm -hmm, and so mm -hmm, for anybody mm -hmm. out there that gets that sort of reaction, 
you almost have to show that person grace as well. And I think that's so much in life, isn't yeah. it? Like, or, like you know, from when our, our parents had us and did things yeah. a certain way. I remember when I discussed, like, get working and getting help and I yeah. had a nanny for a period of time. But now my mum is retired, so my mum is now my nanny. The best. Um, which is amazing. Yeah. But at the time, my mum was very, like... And she won't mind me saying this, but this, the same as, as as your mum, right? She was very judgy. She was yeah. she was like, you're going to have someone outside of the family raise your... And I felt really like... I'm like, well, wh- well what do I do? I can't, you know, I can't do it. You can't, like, yeah. And it was a real... Because mum, there's no... You know, my mum... There's no way she could... My mum raised us all by herself. Like there was no there was no nanny. There was no finances mm. to facilitate that exactly. luxury. And I think it, it seems so far removed from anything that was real and not in this, like, celebrity world. Exactly. So, yeah, I think there's so many different stages of parenting where you're like, we've evolved. <laughs> we've evolved over time. There are so many options. Even them allowing us to share it is them evolving because they're not embarrassed. They're like, oh, my gosh, maybe someone else's mom can hear mm. this. And it's a learning tool where you're like, okay, I shouldn't do that. Or like, I thought that, but I can change the way I think. It can be a part of that change. And so she's fine with me saying it now. I'm like, mom, you made me cry because she's like, there's going to be another mom out there that's going to hear that. Because the reality is that when I wanted to have a child, it wasn't just my dream. At some point, it became the dream of the people around me that love me. So it was the dream of my friends. It was the dream of my mom, my dad, my sister. They all were hoping and praying for this to happen for me as well. So it it didn't happen the way they thought it would either. And I think that that felt like a disappointment to them. And that's just the reality of the changes you go through on this. Um, For me, for my infertility journey, that's just what it was. Mm -hmm. I've said this before that one of the greatest quotes I've ever seen, like in life, is that what hurts us the most in life is the idea of how things are supposed to be. Whether marriage, motherhood, pregnancy, like just the journey to, like all of that. And I had it in my head so I was so fixated on like this is how it's going to be that when it wasn't that way I was heartbroken but when I opened up yeah. to the idea of just being like open to the possibilities of what how mm. that my journey even though it's not how I planned it to be that it could also be beautiful it changed the perspective for me completely and then it's that's so beautiful to hear because it's just so personal yeah. isn't it and I think everybody gets caught up we all get caught up in what this whether it's the the typical English family or the American family and how that is, again, it's an archaic view that's lodged in the back of our brain somewhere and this is how you should get engaged before you get married. Exactly. And and however that looks, there's always some disappointment in life and how you're going to fulfil it. But actually... At the end of the day, everyone's journey is beautiful, yeah. no, no matter how it pans out. Absolutely. The There's beauty in the journey. There's beauty in the journey, mm-hmm. girl. Do you, obviously, we've touched on our parents. Do you think you'll raise Ever James in the way that your parents raised you? Do you see yourself parenting as your parents did? Or yes and Does that no. look very differently? We have had okay. conversations. My sister has two girls, um, one that is 11 and one that is about to be nine in September. But... My sister and I grew up with very humble beginnings. I grew up in the projects in New York City, Lower mm-hmm. East Side, like a very ghetto. <laughs> and <there's, laughs> as, as odd as that sounds, we loved our childhood. We loved our upbringing. We loved the values that our mother instilled, that our mom and our dad instilled in us. We loved that we come from immigrant parents and the story of working hard and the struggles. And there was so much that we learned from that experience that made us who we are today. And then we recognize that while we now are not there anymore, we're not in the struggle, it was a little concerning at the idea of, well, how can we instill these lessons in our our children when they don't have Mm. that same upbringing? And that scared us. That same hunger and that same drive. We discuss this a lot, me and my husband. It's scary. That's like... How do you balance that and how do you navigate it? Because everything I do is for my children. So I work hard and I, you know, I've been fortunate in the way that my career has has, has gone, you know, up to present. And you kind of, I feel like my career worked out a certain way because I've got that fire in my belly. Because I've always got that working class mentality where I don't want to go back there, you know? And I kind of, well, I'm, I'm always fighting, but really... 
am I going to be raising kids that don't leave home until they're 40 because because they yeah. they feel like home is very nice? I don't I don't know how that looks. There's yeah. probably I mean the reality is I probably won't ever have a day where like I remember growing up and being like mom I want something and her genuinely telling me we can't have that because I don't have the money for yeah. it and understanding the value of money and that money doesn't grow on trees like my mom would tell me it doesn't you know you have to yeah. work hard for these things and yeah. yet my son is being raised in two beautiful homes in Beverly Hills and in New York. Mm. Like, I, I shared a room with my sister. We had one toilet for an entire household of four, four, yeah. four five people. Like, it's just so different that it makes me so nervous. So my husband and I are constantly talking about what can we do so that we don't raise spoiled How children. Do do How do we continue to yeah. remind them that there are people out there? And I think the key is giving back is really yes. getting them involved in giving back, letting them see how, what a privilege it is and that, that this didn't happen overnight, that mommy and daddy worked really hard to get where we are mm-hmm. and that they can mm-hmm. never forget that. And taking them, I'm gonna, I can't wait till the day when I take my son to where I grew up and show him, this was my apartment, this is how we lived, this is how people live. And guess what? I was so happy then. Money doesn't bring you happiness. I want them exactly. to know. And that's the lesson. I was so and if we had to go back there and we had to live in this apartment, we'd be just as happy there. We'd be good. We'd yeah, be good. Because this is yeah, and I think that's, that's what always my lesson too is our family is wherever we all are. Yes. If we're together and if we're happy That's the happy place. And we're healthy, that's our family and that's our fortune. Yeah. Everything else is a bonus and it's all and it comes and it goes. Yeah. And I think that's one thing that I really want to sort of teach my children that that's that's why you know money isn't the be all or end all, all of life and it's nice to be successful but I just want them to be passionate about yeah. something and whether that's giving back as you say however that looks I just want them to be passionate I love that but yeah I mean that's a that's I a know. whole it, it's it's a minefield actually it's, 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 a, it's a pressure I for know. us the only, another pressure the only <laughs> other thing I've discussed with my husband also about raising our kids was that I was raised very very religious I grew up in a Pentecostal household like literally my mm-hmm. mom didn't wear pants until she was like in her 20s and then she chose to like raise us differently so I think generation to generation wow. it's become like not so religion and more like creating a Mm -hmm. relationship with God and what does that faith journey look like for my children now and my husband obviously being a gospel singer you know faith is a huge part of our lives. Oh he's amazing. Thank you. I love watching him on I love watching him he's amazing. But Mm -hmm. I think a lot of what I was taught was fear-based and we've talked about raising our children more faith-based so instead of saying um, you shouldn't do this because God is going to kill you and strike you with lightning because you said a bad word. Instead, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to raise them not to fear God, but to know that like, hey, this person loves you so much and maybe you should do good things because you're so loved and you should want to do good because you're given so much good. And that like just redirecting um, because for a while I had like this huge fear of flying and it's still something that I'm working on. And when I started thinking about why I was afraid of flying, it came down to, and I know this may sound kind of ridiculous to some people, but in my upbringing, the idea that if I do or think something wrong, God is bringing the plane down. Right. And I recognized that that was from religion and being taught this like, do bad, you're gonna get something bad consequences. And, and my husband, funny enough, was the one that was like, no, like let's raise our children that like you can fly in the air and not be afraid of anything because you have God. You should be fearless because you've got God on your side. Like faith should give you like wings. It should make you soar. It shouldn't make you feel afraid. Empowered. Yeah, and so just changing that narrative for our son is so important to us. I remember um, people being like, I can't go to a concert because like, like, you know, crazy enough, like a Beyonce concert because I'm a Christian. And this is, my husband would be like, what? I can absolutely go to a Beyonce concert because (laughs) God provided me with some tickets. Hey, like, like it's, it's shifting the perspective. You're so right. It's flipping the switch on it completely. The theme of this episode is surrogacy and there's no one better to talk to about this journey than you. Thank you. I I want to sort of go back, mm-hmm. way back. Yeah. How long 
were you trying for a family before you first started to consider IVF? Crazy enough, I actually came into the idea of wanting a family going straight to IVF. But this is kind of okay. crazy. So my husband has children from a, a, his previous marriage. And mm-hmm. we would like dream up these ideas of how we wanted our family to be. Even when we were dating, we'd be like, okay, we want kids. My sister, okay, I have to go back. My mom ha- is, it's her and her sister. Her right. sister had two girls, Diane and Desri. My mom had two mm-hmm. girls, Adrian and Claudette. My sister has two girls, uh, Cla- Jet wow. and Bo. My aunt wow. had two girls. Desiree and Diane, Desiree had two girls, Deborah and Deanna. I can't make this up. We are a family of... Oh my gosh. All girls. Two girls. (laughs) Two girls. That's the way we do it. And I was like, well, he's had the experience multiple other... You know, he's had the experience with all his other children being one. I'm like, but he's never had twins. It sounds so ridiculous now looking back. And I'm like, we should have twin girls. And so ignorantly, I was like, this all sounds very glamorous. We're going to go see, you know, Dr. Wong, who is known as like the Hollywood person that like helps everyone out here. And I'm like, we're gonna go see Dr. Wong and we're gonna get pregnant with two girls, twin girls. We've got names picked out. They're the same initials as my sister, AC. I'm Adrian, she's Claudette. It's gonna be so cute. And when I go into this initial doctor's appointment at 33 years old, no, I was 34. I got married at 33. I knew that I wanted to wait a year and just enjoy married bliss, travel the world. We did this huge trip to Paris and Italy, and then we were like, we're gonna start the journey. 34 years old, uh, 33, about to be 34 in October. This was around the summer, and I go in, and the doctor proceeds to tell me that we're gonna do what's called a reserve exam, which is where they kind of see what your egg reserve is. A lot of people don't know that we are born with all the eggs we will ever have. Oh my gosh. And you're going from there. Crazy enough, Rochelle, do you know that your daughters, the day that they have children, if they yeah. want to have children, you carried the egg that creates your grandchildren when you had your babies in no. your stomach. In your womb, what? you are born with all the eggs you will ever That's have. That's magic, yes. isn't it? Wow. Yeah. So it's kind of weird. Like the, ha- the half of ever, that's my mm. egg, at some point was in my body in my mother's womb. Wow. Yes, that wild. is wild. I know. Fun scientific fact. Yeah, that's going to go in my group chat after this. I'm like, did you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. You'll be like, um, that egg was in my body at one point. With that being said, you're born with all the eggs you have, and they actually say you start your fertility declines after the age of 24 for the wow. average woman. And when I heard the number 24, I'm over here at almost 34, and I'm so like, what? wait, yeah. what? In my mind, listen, I'm still a cheetah girl. I'm young. I'm popping. <laughs> I, I'm I'm a teenager in my mind, okay? And hearing those facts in that moment blew me away. And he was like, um, when they went to go look at my reserve, it was looking really, really bad. Like I had barely any follicles. The follicles are what actually produce the eggs. So you've got these follicles Mm -hmm. inside of your ovaries. They go in and they do a vaginal ultrasound and they go and they look and they see. And I had nada. I had nothing. I had no follicles and he was really concerned and that shifted the entire journey in that moment it went from something I thought would be like oh very Hollywood very cool very oh my god twins to um we've got a problem and this is not going to be an easy journey and that's where it started and from there I did my first cycle of IVF just kind of not thinking about this dumb twins plan like girl please stop like focus on if I could just get one healthy baby I was about Mm -hmm. to be happy and so we started that journey and I did the first cycle of IVF and I remember waiting because we also do what's called um they biopsy them to make sure that they don't have any syndromes and all that sort of thing. They chromosome check them and make sure that they're healthy. Right, okay. So I waited that, and that takes about 14 days, the whole process from the time they go and take them out. I've had girlfriends that go and get their eggs retrieved, and they have like 20-something eggs. Mm -hmm. Rochelle, the most I've ever gotten after eight different cycles was six. After eight rounds? Six. Oh, my goodness me. Yeah, okay. Six eggs they then fertilized them they then told me that all six fertilized and then the first round i did they were like you got nothing 
Oh, and I remember waiting patiently to find out, like, did I get girls? Did I get boys? Did I get, like, just excited and kind of hopeful still at yeah. this point. And finding out I had nothing. Might I add, it is not a cheap procedure. Yeah, real talk. I remember them saying, you got nothing. And me being like, do I get my money back? Yeah, like, 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 how does this work? This? Like, that's it? Like, yeah. what happens? And he's like, we would recommend you going right into another... Um, another retrieval again, like immediately. And oh so my I was gosh, like, that's a lot. That's a okay. lot. That's a lot to tell. And also, we're sort of glossing yeah. over the fact that that's a toll on your body with the hormones, and you know, that's that's. Yeah. So how the how it goes is you pretty much you're shooting yourself up. Everybody's. Um, I call it the concoction. Your different cocktail that they give you will be different depending on your hormone levels. They're going to take blood that day. They're going to tell you, okay, you should start on estrogen. You should go on this medication, that medication. And then they, you're literally, for me, I did three shots a day. So I did one in the morning and then I do two in the evening. One of them that burns like you're putting acid under your skin. And so it was, it was really tough. And I remember... A lot of people go, like the average person um, will maybe go doing these shots for about 10 days, stimulating their ovaries to make these eggs over a course of 10 days. Mine always took a really long time to stimulate. Like we barely were getting anything. So they're like, let's try to go for as long as we can. And I would end up doing it for 14 days. And I would remember around the 12th day, I would would cry with my husband and just be like, this is not what I imagined this to be. I thought this was going to be like a glamorous experience. Uh, how ignorant of me. And then I was like, people are out here just like making love. And I'm here getting shot up with, you know, injections. Yeah. It's a painful experience. And so we ended up doing it again quickly another time. And from there, I ended up getting two embryos, a girl and a boy. Wow. And I was told by the doctor, while this is amazing, please, like, my medical advice to you is try to do it again. Like, try to harvest as many embryos as you can because you also have a very thin uterus lining. That was a whole other thing. So now I don't got a lot of eggs, and now I also have a really thin uterus. Okay. This is a lot. This is a lot for one. Like, it's a lot of news. It's a lot of, like, okay, how do I take all of this on now? Yeah, and my husband's actually 12 years older than me, and it's kind of funny because... I think when we would go into these fertility centers, like, you know, into the office, people would look at us and assume that maybe it was him. And mm. and there is a part of me that was kind of always embarrassed. Like, it's no, it's me. Like, like my body isn't cooperating with me. And th- yeah. that's there's so much that comes with that. And I just felt like when I, I knew that when I was ready to talk about this, I was hoping that we could just normalize it. Yes. Because, Rochelle, when I tell you every place I would go to, I would go to, like, Courtney did an event for Poosh, mm-hmm. and I remember going there and being like, guys, um, I'm not going to drink because I'm actually having an egg retrieval in two days. And the whole table of women going, what day are you on? I'm on day four of, wow. of mine. You see. Like, I, what, what, who are you going to? What doctor? And the whole table lit up with just almost feeling this relief of this comfortable space of feeling like, wow, I'm not alone. Yeah. And we should normalize these conversations and women make women feel like it's okay. And, and we should share info and not be gatekeepers, but be like, let's share Absolutely all the info that. and help each other out. Why? Why do you think it comes with so much sort of not not judgment? It's shame. It, 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 yeah. Shame. Why, why, why do you why do you yeah. why do you think that? I think it makes you feel like one, you're less of a woman. I think there's something really sexy and beautiful, and I do agree with women being fertile and pregnant. And there's just a beauty that comes with that. And I don't think that just because I didn't get to experience doesn't mean I'm gonna take away from that. That absolutely is beautiful. Is it just a beautiful thing to be able to be a parent? I get what you're saying. But at the same time, yeah, it's that vision of a movie and how we're supposed to be yeah. in the front of a magazine cover. And you yeah. look at this gorgeous glowing woman and she's got nothing but a bump. And it's just like, I'm so yes. gorgeous and lovely. And this is, you know, I'm going to have yeah. a perfect, but is it because we're conditioned? Maybe we're conditioned to think For that sure. this is how making a, this is what making a family looks like. Yeah. And so I think that that's what people look forward to. That's what they're, you know, they're conditioned to, like you just said, especially when you're seeing these magazine covers and these beautiful, you know, visuals Mm. of of what a pregnant woman looks like and what that experience is like. And then you also have, I think there's a part of it that feels like, did you do something to not be, it's it's so weird. I mean, there's so many layers to this. It's like, 
well, why can't you have kids? Like, what is the exact, like, what is your diagnosis? Yeah. <laughs> People want to know, like, what exactly it is. And everyone's situation is very, very mm-hmm. different. Um, so in my case, I'm now hearing that, okay, I've got this thin uterus. Let's get back in there and let's try to get more. I did another round, ended up doing what is called a canceled cycle. Right. So you start the medications and they see nothing growing. Wow. So there's no eggs in there that are growing. Nothing is being stimulated, which means there's nothing for them to go in and retrieve. Oh, goodness. There are no eggs in there. They've shot you up, they've stimulated, and you still got nothing. So that's called a canceled cycle, which I had about three of those. Oh, my goodness. And then I finally ended up doing it again and getting one more girl. All that to say, out of eight cycles, uh, IVF cycles, I ended up with three embryos. I had two girls and a boy. Right. My dream, like I said, was always to have two girls. My doctor was like, we are not putting twins in you, not happening, which I'm so grateful yeah. for. Make sure you go to a doctor who also I would highly recommend who who's conservative in that mm. way, you know, that is more so thinking about the health of your children and also the health of you as a mom and the reality is that twins are a high-risk pregnancy and so he was like absolutely not yeah (laughs) and and, and that's what you need you need someone that's not almost I mean you want someone that's going to let you be and listen to you but at the same time this is not our expertise we just know what we want but if if he's going to give you the real of this isn't for you that's what you need you absolutely need someone that's going to keep it real with Mm -hmm. you and do what's best for your future children and yourself so I remember saying okay well we're gonna go girl first and so we ended up implanting my first little girl embryo and it took and I was pregnant and I did mass singer here and I was pregnant when I did the show and it's crazy on the finale when they revealed who I was we shot it by announcing my pregnancy I ended up miscarrying four months later when it was just about to air. Oh, gosh. And I remember that just being so heartbreaking because not only was I, for my own personal reasons, so excited, I was excited to announce. Mm. I was excited because there were so many people on this journey with yeah. me that were so happy for mm. me that when I miscarried, it felt like the biggest disappointment for myself and for everyone around me that was excited. It was a very weird I felt like I had to comfort myself and then I had to comfort the people that I had to call and tell. Oh, gosh. Like, this is heart-wrenching. And then I had to make the call to Fox, who airs it out here, and tell them, I, I need you to re-edit the finale. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to re-edit it. I'm not pregnant anymore. And I was bawling on this call with executives. That's heartbreaking. <laughs> I can only laugh about it now. And it's not even laughing. It's probably an uncomfortable, nervous laugh. Yeah, but yeah. It... It was so hard for me, but I feel like if I can just give somebody hope because of where I am today and know that I've been there, I've gone through those moments where you just feel like, why is this Mm -hmm. happening to Mm me? Like, I've done everything right. I've, I've, you know, I took the Medicaid. Then you questioned, did I? What did I do? What did I do? I think that's that's what you do as a woman. It comes back to that again. It's okay. What did I do? What did I do wrong here? I started thinking, should I not have done the show? Was I moving too much was I working Mm -hmm. too much was I and and you go through all of those those things I think that's just natural Mm -hmm. you mourn and then you you heal and at that point I really needed to heal and I just stopped down from trying again and I really gave myself time and this was actually in November I remember it was around Thanksgiving and I didn't try again I just let myself be I allowed myself to heal physically emotionally Mm -hmm. and and mentally and we decided the following March, we were like, we'll try again. And we had that second girl embryo that we implanted. And then it didn't take. Oh, gosh. And no one tells you. But that's an option. That, I, I know. It's a, somebody told me, listen, girl, yours is not a, a fertility journey. You got a fertility saga. <laughs> oh, gosh. Because it's, it's, cra- it's crazy. And it was really heartbreaking that then I went through that. And it was like, that's when I got the phone call from my doctor that said, listen, You've got one embryo left. Mm. It's baby boy that's been in the fridge since 2017. It was now 2022. And he's like, I highly, highly recommend getting a surrogate. He's like, we can't, we're having a really difficult time creating new embryos for you. Mm -hmm. You don't have many eggs. And the reality is this may be your last chance. And if you 
put this baby in your body and it doesn't take again, that may be your last chance to have your own biological child. And I just, I remember walking out of the doctor's office, getting in my husband's car and closing the door and just bawling. I just cried my eyes out because once again, it wasn't how I imagined it. Yeah, yeah. It was so different than our first visit to this doctor's office. We're parked in front of the same place where I walked in years before, six years total before. Like a different human. Thinking, this is gonna be a walk in the park. And it was not that. And so I asked him, we had to have the hard conversation of, are we open to this? Are we open to the, just the idea of this? And I thank God for like the most supportive, dope, silver lining husband Mm -hmm. of all time. He was like, you should think about it. And And, and he's like, why not? Like, let's, let, let's just see what the options are. So there actually was a, a surrogate specialist in their office that connects you to women that, that do this, to agencies that have surrogates, and you can kind of read their bios and kind of... And I was like, just let me get a chance at looking and seeing what, what that looks yeah, like. Yeah, how does this work? So I got access. I got access to uh, an agency and a, a website where you actually can go on and see different women's bios or an agency will send you, you'll say, hey, can you send me women that are available now and interested in caring? Mm-hmm. Um, and they sent me over like literally these these bios where you get to see what they look like, what their family looks ah. like, um, what their husbands look like. Crazy fact as well, you in the States, I don't know if it's the same in the UK, but in the States, you cannot be a surrogate unless you've already carried a child. Ah, okay, okay. And I didn't even know, like, I literally was like, I don't know how this works. Like, what are the legalities? Like, how does this all work? So the first phone call I made was to the only person I personally knew who had a surrogate, which was Kim Kardashian. Mm -hmm. And and she's always been like, you know, family to Mm -hmm. me uh, for years. And so I called Kim and she was like, you have to get in touch with Andy Vorsmer, who is like the lawyer who, uh, it, it sounds crazy, to, I, it's so weird, I don't think of him as a lawyer, he's like been this therapist for yeah. me on this journey, because when I called him, it felt like completely different than the conversation I thought was gonna happen. This man was like, I am here to support you, to cover you, to make sure that this feels like a safe, experience for you and you don't think I never I never thought about the legality parts of it how you actually are creating a contract that you can put anything in there from does the person get to hold your child do they not get to hold your child do you I I mean you can go down to the details of are they allowed to have sex with their spouse while they're pregnant with your child are they not I mean, it is detailed. It is far beyond anything I ever could have imagined. And I'm going to be honest, it's overwhelming. The amount of of information and the decisions you have to make, it is overwhelming. So you're receiving these these bios of these women. You're looking through them. It'll tell you how many children they have, what kind of deliveries they've had. Have they been vaginal? Have they been Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. C-section? You kind of get a little history. And then they have my favorite part which of course is an emotional mom, it is they get to write you a letter that states like why they do this, who they are, why this is something that, you know, why they're doing this, what made them want to become a surrogate, kind of like a little essay that they write. And you look through so many different files and you kind of decide which one you kind of connect with and you can ask that you move forward with that one. It's it, it sounds so ridiculous. It's kind of like a dating app. But it, may, but it makes perfect <laughs> sense because at the end of the day, yeah. they are. you need to be compatible because they are carrying yeah. the most precious thing in the world to you. Yes. It's almost like saying that yes. you need to be compatible with the you know with the person that you partner with throughout this process however that looks you know it's it is it's no different my my surrogate used to call it she's like it's like like next level babysitting i'm like on a whole (laughs) other like who are you leaving who are you leaving your kid with for nine months with that being said the things i looked for yeah i was gonna say what was what was the like sort of cherry on top what was the thing that made you go okay this is this is my girl and I keep it super real. So here we go. 
Three things <laughs> I mainly looked for was one, they put photos in there. I did not want someone sending me a photo that looked airbrushed, too glamorous, made up. I did not want a filtered photo. If you are sending me filtered yeah. photos of you and your family, I don't know, it just made me weird. I was like, I yeah. want someone that maybe feels that. a little bit more granola. I don't want your airbrushed <laughs> photos. There was literally, somebody was sending me their glam shots and I was like, this is this is really not the time to be catfished. Exactly. <laughs> we're, we're not Please. doing this now. <laughs> Me and my baby want to recognize you. Okay. So yeah. that was a big thing. I looked for and it's it's funny because you will find pictures that literally you can. It's it's a full on. It's a Snapchat filter. Okay. It's not even Instagram. It's a Snapchat. And wow. so there was that. The second thing I looked for was people that looked genuinely happy. This was probably the most important mm. one to me. I wanted someone that looked like the smile to me was a big part of like choosing someone that I was like, this person looks genuinely super happy. Whoever is carrying my child for nine months, I want someone whose spirit is high, who's joyful, you know, like that was important Mm. to me that. And the third one was, um, that they, for me, I wanted that they had been a surrogate before. So not only that they had their own children, but that they understood the emotional process of having to carry a child and then give that child to the intended parents. So that's what they call us. They call us IPs, which are, we are the intended parents. And so they put you on, obviously, you normally meet in person, but because this was during COVID time, the first time we ever met was on a phone call and then from a phone call to a Zoom And I knew when I saw her on the Zoom, talking to her was so easy. She never made it awkward or uncomfortable. Like this was a person Uh that naturally had a very bubbly personality, super like a girl's girl. Like, oh girl, if you want to be there and pull the baby out yourself, you can't like that. And oh, I was she made you feel at ease. So I think comfortable. You're sort of you, you're almost interviewing, as it were, yeah, which is which is an odd, which is an odd, like an odd notion and probably not the right, right way to put it. But I suppose you're almost interviewing for the for the right person. But at the same time, it, you're giving them that the, this role. But at the same yeah. time, you want them to make you feel at ease because this is a really yes. strange new experience for you, right? Yeah. So I suppose you have to go with the warmest person, the person that you feel instantly comfortable with. Yeah, and she was like, I'm a very open person. Like, you can ask me anything. You can call. She's like, and the one thing she told me that I really loved was she was like, it's important to me that this be a beautiful journey for you. Like, she felt that it was her calling. She's an angel. She really is. I call. She's an angel. She Uh. was like, my calling is to create families. Like, if I could give you the gift that I've experienced with my own children, to be able to give that to somebody, she's like, I, even, you know, the day that they implanted her with Ever, um, I'll never forget, they handed her the ultrasound pictures. I think naturally, nurses, you know, like, it Mm. it just felt normal to hand them to her. And she said, no, 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 these are not my pictures. This is her baby. And she, like, they were bringing the little ultrasound pictures of how he looked like being implanted in her uterus. And she was like, these are, these are her photos. This is her child. This is her, like, this is her blissful moment. And I feel like we ended up doing that for each other. Does that make sense? I would praise her and honor her. And she always made me feel like you are the mom. It's such a special relation. I mean, I'm sure you've almost found a, like, almost a companion for life. Like I tell her she's... She is part of our family. Her and I chit-chat all the time still. We send pictures of our children back and forth. Whenever first got his two little bottom teeth, I texted it to her. But while I'm saying all of this, she's never held him. Ah, okay. So there are yeah. different boundaries. It's, it's, so it's so it's striking that balance, yeah. isn't it? And what, Absolutely. what your boundary is. I, I noticed I um, watched you in an interview and I noticed that you said that you, you had shared a, an image and, you know, as Instagram does and they talk and they like an opinion on yeah. everything yeah you you held ever first and yeah. you you had the, the skin skin to skin and I suppose that is a real important moment for yes. you at that point to yes but you know, everybody was like why is she naked why 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 these ladies that have surrogates be on be in the hospital beds acting like they just gave birth and oh while I understand God. that the internet is going to internet 
guys, <laughs> it is so ignorant to ask that because the reality is the first thing that they want you to do with that child is be his first touch. To be, they, they, they actually say that laying the baby on your chest, specifically bare, you have that skin to skin bonding. And mm. then on top of that, they want to get familiar with your heartbeat and also your breathing. Your heartbeat and your breathing helps regulate their heartbeat and their breathing. So it's right. so important to have that literally bare chest on there. I even allowed him to actually, obviously I wasn't able to breastfeed, which is possible. I've heard people taking medication so that they can actually lactate. I really, that's um, interesting. Yeah, it is possible. Uh, mm. For me, just on a health level, I have heart issues. So that was a whole other mm -hmm. thing that they were like, not the best thing for you. But I was And you have been through enough, girl. I've You've been, been through, through enough it. at this point. You're good. You're they good. Like, they were like, use that nipple as a pacifier. And I was like, really? And they said, yes, oh. he can just latch. And the same way you would oh use your God. nipple as a passy to soothe your child, to make them go mm -hmm. to sleep, to... He was like, you can use your nipple as a way to literally just pacify the child to be a comfort a source of something they go wow. to and i love that because i absolutely did do that until this day he'll be like hey i just want to feel that closeness and i love it so whatever that, yeah. you can do to create that bond for yourself for your mm -hmm. child it is such a special moment so again you decide what works for you you create your own boundaries for me, I love updating her. I love, I, I can't wait for when he's older. I'd love for them to meet. But in this moment, in this time, it was our our opportunity to bond as as mother and child. So yeah, I loved it. I pulled him out myself. It was a very strange, <gasps> Did it's, you? it is bizarre and weird and whoa. But when you're in that moment, I literally pulled him out myself. He went right on me. Israel ended up cutting the cord. My sister, who is a labor and delivery nurse, um, she actually did the cord banking. I don't know if people know about oh. that, but it was just perfect. My mother was there. It was a home birth. It was absolutely beautiful. It sounds absolutely beautiful. And do you know what in these, like you say, it's all, everything is weird and until you're in that moment. Yes. The way that a, a baby's brought into this world is it's not well it is the everyday. It's the most, you know, you know, it's the most normal thing yeah. in the world. However, people don't it's experience also it the most every day. Alien. Yes. Yeah, you don't you're you're not used to it every day. You know, the maternity staff are used to it, but it is a miracle and something that would seem weird is just the most beautiful. They call it a yeah. miracle for a reason because they the do. average person does not see and experience that every day and it is a miracle. And so I in that moment I I remember talking to her about it and telling my midwives that that's what I wanted. I wanted to, you know, uh, uh pull him out and all leading up to the moment it was still like very bizarre to me like i'm just being honest it was still like this is so weird yeah. like i'm about to be in between this woman's leg. like it's it's weird, <laughs> yeah. it's weird. yes you're so and right and then you're so you right. there yeah. and you're not even thinking you're so excited to like see the little face to like meet this yeah. person for them like, to who are you yes yeah. That all of that goes out the window. Even the gross parts that you would think are gross of like, I think people would think, okay, because it's not your bodily fluids, are you going to be like, ick? Mm -hmm, no, mm -hmm, you, th mm -hmm. that goes out the window. I grabbed that baby slimy, covered with all his, and oh. he was on me, and I, I loved every second. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. your baby. Absolutely. How did you... Um prep for the birth? Obviously, you said that you spoke to your midwife, and you said yeah. that you wanted to pull him out and yeah. how, how, how do you because obviously well this is they, they say you make a plan and god laughs right but and that was definitely that Same. was that was definitely my case um so my birth no different in surrogacy yeah my birth plan wasn't how i thought it was <laughs> it was gonna go but do you make a plan for your surrogate mm -hmm. and then also a plan for yourself we made a plan together right so i think most people do do them separately because her and i did become so close mm -hmm. we were like let's do, and it's funny because her agency actually reached out to her and they're like um, we need yours. And she's like, no, Adrian sent it. They're like, no, 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 we need your birth plan. She's like, it, okay, it's literally yeah. Adrian and I were on the phone and it's the same birth plan as hers. We, yeah. are, in, we are in this together. Yeah. And um, I love that about her. And so we literally discussed, she actually, her all her other births were in hospitals. Mm -hmm. And she, I always thought that if I was able to carry, I wanted a home birth. Right. I wanted like a water birth, like super natural. Yeah. 
what 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 everybody thinks is going to be. <laughs> yeah, exactly, what, we, right? what, what we all think we've signed up for. <laughs> exactly. Like, give us the so, movies. We just want the movies. <laughs> yeah. So I want to be in the bathtub, and then I want the baby to come out of my husband to feed me ice cream right after in the home. You know, this <laughs> yeah. I've seen this on Instagram. Well, yes. With that being said, <laughs> I... I, I didn't want to put that on her, so I actually never mentioned it. I just was like, ah. oh, you know, like, tell me what it is, how you've done it before. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with that. Let's go with that. And maybe a few weeks, it was only a few weeks before um, she was going to give birth. She goes, would, would you ever consider us doing a home birth? And I was like, oh, my. I was like, I would love that. Is that uh. something you'd consider? And she was like, yes. And so in the moment, we're like, because COVID protocol was still a big thing over here, yes. um, even just last summer, where you were only allowed one person in the room. And I was like, does that, that, that to me was literally going to be taking away what I so looked forward to. I was there when my sister had both of her daughters. Mm. It was me, my mom, and my sister. And we're like a little, we're a little rat pack. We are obsessed with each other. You come we're as a one. gang. You come as one. Yes. That's it. Yeah. The three of us come as one. <laughs> and I was so sad at the idea that I wouldn't have that yeah. where my sister and my mom wouldn't be there. And so she was like, if we do at home, there's no rules. Like, ah, we can yes. have as many people as you want. And it's, you know... And so that's the plan that we started from there. And we're like, we would like a home birth. That's going to be amazing. And we ended up, crazy enough, Google. Googled who was the greatest uh, midwives in the Lake Tahoe, California area. We ended up finding an amazing midwife. We actually interviewed a few of them as well, saw which one we clicked with the most, Mm -hmm. went with that person. And they kind of created a birth plan for us, which was the moment that you feel something, see, see something, say something. They were like... If you if you feel something, say something because she actually has very quick births and I didn't want to miss it. Wow. And so we came up with a whole plan of again, he was due August eighteenth, he was born August fifth. But thank God oh, wow. I was smart enough to arrive um to Lake Tahoe. We actually arrived in Lake Tahoe on July thirty first. I had my my whole family fly in and we thought we were going to take like a little, I thought it was going to be like my version of a baby moon. Yes. yes. You know, the the last hurrah before (laughs) I become a mom. And so we were like kind of going out, going to nice dinners as a family. And she calls and she is like, I, something's off. I don't, I, I, I made myself a bowl of oatmeal and I dropped it. And she was like, I felt shaky and I went to lay down like something's off. And my husband, who has a bald head, he went to the barber to get a head shave. And I'm like, you've got to come right now. He sends me a picture with literally shaving cream on half of his head. And he's like, "Uh, I'm on my way. And that's what it was. Literally, it was all of us hustling and bustling together. Again, not at all the way we planned it. I actually was airbnb a home that was very specific, had the tub I wanted. Oh, wow, okay. It all went completely different. (laughs) And we ended up just having it in her home, and it was pretty crazy. But so beautiful. It was perfect. These things work out for a reason, girl. They always do. Yes, it does. But the prep, I think, was really just having the conversations, having a plan, and the greatest prep you can do for yourself is knowing exactly like Rochelle said, you make plans and God laughs. You kind of got to be open and willing just to say... Happy, healthy baby. That's all we're looking for. Healthy mom, healthy baby. I wanted to know what the biggest thing you've learned about yourself since becoming a parent and what it is that you're still trying to figure out. The biggest thing that I have learned becoming a parent is that it doesn't have to be perfect. Like, I think there's so many things that I wanted to be perfect. The nursery has to look perfect. How I'm going to look every morning when I greet my son is <laughs> going to look perfect. He's always going to be perfect. His hair is going to be done. He's going to look perfect. He's going to be clean. He's going to... Like, I think that we focus on these small, dumb things. And I would I thought that I would be... And I've got to be honest, Rochelle, I look at you and I look at your, like... Instagram and waking up and matcha and Pilates and and I try to become that and I want to and I'm still trying to but the reality is I would rather have an unproductive day and quiet moments doing nothing with my baby than 
than like getting something done. Yeah. And I You're didn't right. know I would be that way. I thought that I would still be like very yeah. ambitious, very like focused, very. And I love the saying that you can have it all, maybe just not at the same time. I've heard of yeah. that. I think that. And I think that it's sometimes it's like, everything has to have its yeah. time to shine. Like I only feel that I can sort of get back into slightly more of a routine now that they're at school. Yes. And like, you know, some days it all yeah. falls apart. Some days I need all the matcha, no pilates. <laughs> you know what I mean? Today was one of those. I think it just has to, I think you have to learn your own yeah. baby because everyone overwhelms you with advice, don't they? And yeah, I suppose like you're right that it's just not, it can't always be the idea that you imagined. It's just not possible. It's not gonna be perfect. It's not, it's not at all. Like me and that baby will both look wild and crazy. My makeup is not, I, I end up putting him to bed. I'll come home from work and I'll give him his final feeding and like I'll end up mm. falling asleep with him with full makeup on, fully dressed. And I'm like, oh, it's not how I am. And then we both wake yeah. up. I've got one eyelash hanging off. He's got a little fro. Yeah. It's a lot going on. But it is, there is so much beauty in the imperfection. I would say that's yeah. the biggest thing that I've learned that I am, I'm never going to get it right, but I'm trying and I'm actually really happy with, with, with yeah. just, just doing it. And what do you think you're still figuring out? The main thing I'm really, really, really figuring out, which I've never shared this, is this bicoastal life. Mm. And while I recognize it's a real sacrifice right now because obviously I've got these great opportunities for me in Los Angeles, my entire family is in New York and we are sacrificing going back and forth and making sure that my son has this tribe mm. around him of you know my family in New York and his cousins and being raised with family um, and just trying to figure out what that balance ultimately is gonna be because while right now he doesn't know, he gets on these little red-eye flights to New York and he sleeps. At some point, I want to give my child stability of being in one yeah. place and structure. and Probably in school school years. I think that's where we all sort of go, yeah. oh, I've got yeah. to... I want to figure that yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah, I want to figure It'll that happen. out. I, I get it that there's, there's always going to be opportunities. I just have to decide. How that looks. What matters, yeah. you know? Yeah. How that looks, yeah. We always end the show with a section called My Little Tips. And I mean, I feel like you've, the, the, this whole episode has been tip after tip. So you are a, found, you are a fountain of knowledge. Um, but I, I'd like to know for somebody that knows being a parent is their future, being a mum is, you know, the end goal. Perhaps it's not working out for them in as we've touched on throughout the episode, in the way that they had hoped. Yeah. What would you? What would your advice be on, I suppose, not giving up the dream? Two things. One would be really searching inside of yourself and asking, at some point I had to ask myself some difficult questions of like, why is this so important to me? Like making sure, like I even had to ask myself, like why is this, a, why do I have this feeling inside of me that says, if I don't become a mother, like this is the end, like this is a desire that is so deep, deep, deep down in my heart. Why, why is that and what does that mean to me? And I think that in itself changed how I went about everything. Mm -hmm. You know, that it wasn't about, like it wasn't nepotism. It wasn't like, oh, I just want to see what my kid is going to yeah. look like and like, Right, And I think that even in itself, I was like, if surrogacy ended up not working out for me, honestly, what about adoption? What about like, those were real conversations I had to have with myself and be realistic about what did I actually want mm -hmm. and how could I get that result? If it was just, I just want to become a mother. Okay, what and how does that look to me and what? So I think having like, real talks with yourself and even maybe journaling what that means to you and why this is something you want and yeah. I have so much love to give well okay if this doesn't work out then being honest with yourself and saying how far will you go yeah. would you be open to surrogacy would you be open to adoption would you be open to fostering children would you be open to getting somebody else's egg like these are all conversations that you know okay maybe this child won't look like I mean I even had a doctor once tell me, he's like, if you ever considered having an egg donor um, because you don't make eggs like that, 
Trust me, when that child is walking across the stage at graduation, you're not looking at them going, yeah, but that's not my DNA. Like, like real honest conversations. And I had to say to myself, okay, does that feel right to me? Or does that feel insensitive for that doctor to tell me that what I feel? I mean, there's just so much. Ultimately, you decide that for yourself. You decide what your limit is. You decide, okay, we're going to do one round of IVF if it works. That's, that's the plan. I have to make peace with the fact that maybe that's not the route we're going to go. So having honest and real conversations is the number one tip. And the second tip would be, if that desire is in your heart, pay attention to that. Don't give up on that. Somebody might tell you that you're ridiculous, that, you know, it's not going to work. I believe in miracles and I am proof that miracles do happen. I look at my son every day and I'm reminded that God listens to my prayers and that it's not exactly what I, how I prayed it would come about, but I got my greatest dream. And, um, I'm reminded of that every day when I'm exhausted, when he's crying and maybe I can't figure out ways to soothe. You'll have those uncomfortable, frustrating moments, but there's so much to look forward to, but wow, it is so, so, so worth it. And don't let anybody convince you otherwise. There's so many more special times to come for you, which is like, yes, he's seven months now. And I just can't wait for you until he's like, mama, or Ma, I love you. And you're like, your heart, but like, you don't, it, it's not possible. And I'm it. just like, oh, you know, yes. it's, it's the most beautiful thing. And I'm so happy for you that, you know, you got your miracle boy and he thank you, thank he's you. gorgeous as well. Thank he you. is absolutely My gorgeous. Smiley boy. Yeah, he really is. And I've really enjoyed this. Thank you so much for doing thank it. I know you. that this is like first thing in the morning for you. So I really I really appreciate it. And also I must say, as we're doing this over Zoom, you look very, very well put together. This whole motherhood oh. thing is suiting you. Like I'm like, this try, is you I first try. thing in the morning. You go, you've got it. You've got it nailed. It's called the mom bun. Slick this back. <laughs> I will wear this same bun for a whole week. And literally, it'll it's touch up your baby hairs and yeah. go. Get the baby hairs out, you're good. Thank That's you it. so much. Thank I really you, appreciate it. I've loved this. Have the best day and Thank send my love you. to your gorgeous family. I sure will. Same oh, to you. Thank you. Wow, what an inspiring story. That honestly made me feel really emotional and I feel so honoured that Adrian joined me for this conversation. I know that you're going to take so much from that. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. That's it for the series. It's flown by and I've honestly loved every minute of it. I hope you've enjoyed listening to it as much as I've enjoyed making it. And I suppose that's it for now. I will see you soon next time. Series three, huh? (laughs) For more helpful products and inspiration on all things baby, visit the advice section on boots.com today. You'll also receive helpful advice and inspiration completely tailored to your stage of pregnancy or for the age of your child. And if you download the Boots app, you'll receive digital offers too.